Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I see Same fun, the Diary of Jen Kirkman podcast. It's the week before Christmas episode, which is the mo- more fun than Christmas itself. This this is the best week of the year, in my opinion. Um, episode 214, coming at you from the All Things Comedy Studio. I am here. Uh, this says I've been good, I think. The other side says something else. No, it says I've been good. I've been good. I have actually been really good this year. Good behaving and good feeling. Um, before we get started, this episode is brought to you by Quip, Rent the Runway and Talkspace. We'll tell you all about that later. Last minute gift ideas. People, I was going to bring my books and hold them up. And I, I put the books under my laptop which, with my purse over that so that I would not forget it in the morning. And I grab my laptop and my purse and I don't grab the books. I don't know why I'm doing that. But my books are for sale. I, I barely, I, I can't even remember the titles. I can barely take care of myself. A great book about the the decision or the just fact that I didn't have kids and people all getting up in my business about it. And I think it's a great book to give to someone who doesn't have kids. Uh, and, you know, when the book came out, I thought, well, everyone's bought it. That, that's not true. I haven't even made back a profit on it yet. So clearly everyone has not bought it. So, And it wasn't New York Times bestseller. That's just how that goes. Uh, I can barely take care of myself. It is on paperback. It's on Kindle, hardcover. You can gift it any of those ways. Um when you go to Amazon, don't buy it new and don't buy it from the used people. That money doesn't go to me. There's people profiting off me. It's so gross. I hate it. Um, and then I know what I'm doing in other lies. I tell myself that is another book you can get that. But more importantly, my necklace line with Bobble Bar. Oh my God. My One of my necklaces fell on it. Goes away December 31st. This one says over 40. Now, some of them are more expensive. You can get a fancy over 40 one. This is like 100 bucks, real gold. And you can also get a, an over 40 one that looks like this that's more acrylic. But you have the option. And then one that says child-free that's also kind of a fancies. Um, and then feminist AF. Come on, ladies. 
ladies. Um, you know you want one. Go to uh, jenkirkman.com. It's right on my homepage. Go to Bobble Bar, B-A-U-B-L-E, bar.com, and um, search my name. And I'm going to take a picture of myself and post it. So, okay, a lot's been going on this week. I want to talk a little bit about the possibility of Trump firing Mueller or Rosenstein, what, what I think about everyone's hysteria, my Christmas in New York, um, I'm going to read an article I wrote for The Guardian, UK, London newspaper. No big deal. International writer. But I know they're going to chop it down because they wanted it to be short. So I'll read you the whole thing about reclaiming Christmas. I leave this week for my trip to New York City. I'm so fucking excited. I can't stand it. Now, I should tell you guys. Well, we'll get into it later. I'm going to get into the New York stuff later because it's like deeper and, you know, my whole thing. So let's start with what I was going to start with. And, and I, I told Aaron, Aaron about it. Um, oh, by the way. I have a four-part – I have a – it's Big Fancy Time on the TuneIn app. Sorry, I shouldn't be advertising this. At TuneIn, T-U-N-E-I-N. Uh, it's powered by Amazon Echo. I hosted a four-part series, the Holiday Survival Podcast. Um, this week's is about relationships, whether you're in one, how to survive, and, and whether you're not. Uh, last week's was about no for the holidays, meaning you, you don't do the holidays and, and what that's like. And the, the, the week before is about dealing with family. So I interview – uh, top celebs and friends of mine, and sometimes they're both, about um, how they do things. And it was put together beautifully. It sounds like one of those like, NPR things, like the jazzy music, and they're like, next up, you know. So um, you can listen to that <clears throat> if you go to the facebook.com slash I Seem Fun podcast page. I put all the tune in info there, as well as on my Facebook page, facebook.com slash Jen Kirkman. Or you can go to. Uh, just Google tune in holiday survival guide Jen Kirkman or go to my Twitter at Jen Kirkman and you'll find it. <clears throat> okay, folks. I'm not sick. I've got acid reflux up the badung, which I don't know why I've been dairy free. You know what it is? I had some red sauce last night. That's when I'll kill you. All right, Aaron. I have a story about how easy I, I shopped local and it really bit me in the ass. Um, a pursuant to an earlier conversation we had about cheese and bread in Italy, I brought I bought Aaron a little holiday gift of I don't even know what it is cheese mm-hmm. with truffles. It's some big fancy Italian cheese imported. Cost four thousand dollars. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. So I go to this. Um, local cheese shop in my neighborhood. Now, my neighborhood is so fucking cute, you can't even take it. It is in Studio City. I shouldn't tell you too much where I live, but it's not like right where my place is, but it's, you know. This little strip of cute shops, I mean, they're all independently owned, little vintage stores, antique stores, cheese shops, restaurants, cafes, gelato. I mean, it's so Hallmark movie. I'm in heaven all the time. I walk up and down it every night. It's just about a block and a half. <clears throat> you don't see a lot of stuff like that in LA. And I am in the Valley, which is not quite the city, but it's very close to the city. It's, it's, it's closer to the, all the action than like, say if you lived at the beach. Okay. So I go into this place and I'm like, can I get this cheese? Now everyone's a shop local, blah, blah. I walk in, I'm like, Ooh, this looks really good. They're like, do you want to try anything? I'm like, Oh no, I can't eat dairy right now, but I know when I want this 
this guy just got back from Italy. He enjoyed the cheese. So something that's really from Italy. And they go, well, there's this one, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of pricier than the other ones. And I'm not saying this to say I spent $4,000, but it was probably more of like $4,800. And so she says, uh, she says, I said, well, okay, well, what's the price? They don't tell me the price for like 45 minutes, sun setting, you know, my nails are growing. I'm like, just tell me the goddamn price. How are you, you want people to shop local and yet you're steering them away from things. <clears throat> so I go, oh, that's fine. I, I, this is a young girl. So, you know what I mean? She didn't know she was dealing with a grown woman corporatist. Coastal elite coming in. So then she goes, um, so then they go, do you want a gift bag? I go, oh, yeah, that would be great. I have some at home. But as long as I'm here, I don't just spend my time wrapping a gift for you. No offense. And they go, well, there's one thing. Are you going to – they're really – this is like you would think – remember that picture of everyone in the Situation Room watching bin Laden get caught? Yeah. And like Biden – I mean Hillary's got her hand over her mouth and Obama's looking – you would think it was that. That was the level of intensity. This woman's like, well, there is a problem. As though she was like, the helicopters are about to land. But due to the humidity, we didn't anticipate they could crash and the whole mission would be blown up. I'm like, what is it? She's like, well. And then as she's acting like she can't tell me someone just died. She's like, well, you know, you would have to refrigerate the cheese, right? I'm like, yeah. She goes, if it's in the gift bag, well, then, then. You'd have to put the gift bag, the whole thing, in the refrigerator. I go, okay, that's what I was planning Mm -hmm. to do. Mm -hmm. She goes, but you could put the cheese in the gift bag separately. But it's just if I put the cheese in the gift bag now, it's going to be hard for you to take the cheese out of the gift bag because I'm going to do the handles really tight. So you either have to decide right now to let me give you the gift bag separately and then give you the cheese separately. And then you can put the cheese in the refrigerator and then keep the gift bag out of the refrigerator. And then in the morning, take the cheese out and put the gift bag, put it in the gift bag. Or you can forget the gift bag and just do it yourself in the morning. Or, oh no, she kept, she didn't say the morning. She goes, or you can do it yourself. Or I can put the cheese in the gift bag and you can put it in the refrigerator. But the problem is, I'm like, this is such a weird conversation. I go, what is the problem? She goes, the rib, you know, they curl the ribbons. Mm-hmm. The ribbons tend to go limp in, in cold air. <laughs> <clears throat> I go, I'm sure they won't. I, I'm giving it to someone in the morning. It's not, it's 12 hours about. She goes, okay, but she bites her tongue like, like I'm not ready to handle the next level of information she's about to give me. She goes, well, I just want to let you know that it doesn't matter how long you have them in the refrigerator. Any cold air makes them go limp. I'm like, I'm pretty sure in the history of my life, I've walked around with gift bags in my hands in sub-zero temperatures with curled ribbons, and they did just fine. Yeah. I've never heard a thing. She's probably talking about her industrial-sized fridge that's free. I go, I'm sure it's fine. I go, it's for, no offense to your gender, I go, it's for a guy. Yeah. I don't think he's, like, noticing about the curled ribbon. No. And she goes, oh. And then she goes, I just wanted to let you know. I'm like, I got it. This has been so much Michigas, as Roy Moore's Jewish lawyer might say, that I can't deal. I want to shop local. It's too much. Now, this isn't even the end of the story. Oh, no. Oh, wow. So they're curling the ribbon. They're doing the thing. They're, they're 
First of all, I put it in the fridge. The ribbon's perfectly curled. It's fine, yeah. And I didn't want to put the cheese in the fridge and then the bag separate because I know me. In the morning, I walk out with an empty bag. Yeah. So I give them my Amex card. Ugh. Now, in case anyone thinks, oh, you put everything on a credit card, that's what my business manager told me to do so they can separate out my things better. Mm-hmm. I'm not racking up debt. Just, sometimes people look at me weird when I put things on my Amex. Like, mm-hmm. you usually put a trip on an Amex or a big dryer or something, but I put everything on it. Yeah. And then they separate it out. Earn points. And Go for it. Jet Blue points. Yeah. That's why I'm flying mint all the time, motherfuckers. So... The girl behind the counter, different, the older woman with the ribbon, she was over there stressing. She's like calling 1-800-LINE to get to get advice. The younger girl, maybe 21, she goes, are you the Jen Kirkman from Drunk History? And I think she knew because she looked at my card. And I said, yeah, I am. Now, of course, my ego going crazy because I've done more than one. I do more than Drunk History. I go, yeah. She goes, oh, my God, my college roommate and I are obsessed with it or were obsessed with it. We were both history majors. I'm like, oh, that's, I actually enjoy, this conversation so far is great. I enjoy a compliment. I enjoy a compliment about something I've been part of that I didn't invent, where I don't have to then explain why did I talk about that material? Why? It's like I can talk about Derek. I can talk about the concept of drunk history. There's so, I like talking about things I was involved with and I'm proud of. Because it's it's like uh, I'm not talking about myself. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this, that. And she goes, um, sorry, I know this is probably so weird for you. And I go, no. She goes, I mean, I'm probably like the only person who's ever recognized you. <laughs> <laughs> I go, what? And she goes, I mean, you've probably never been recognized and you're just trying to buy cheese and it's probably like freaking you out. I go, oh, no, I've been recognized before. And she goes, from drunk history? I'm like. Actually, yeah, quite a bit. She goes, oh. And I go, I mean, I'm sort of a, and I can't believe I said this, but I was just like, I'm just so tired of not shining my own light. Yeah. I said, I'm sort of to some and to others, no. A, a well-known comedian. I mean, I tour on a fan base that comes to see me. Not the big numbers I wanted this year. And I said, I get recognized. She goes, well, I mean, probably in Los Angeles because people are in entertainment here. And they've probably worked with you before. So now she's like, no, you only get recognized in L.A. by members of the crew. <clears throat> and I go, no. And she's shop employees. And she, she, li- what, she was hanging on this fact that she's the only one that's there. I said, I don't mean to be weird, but even if that's the only thing I'd ever done. Well, I didn't say this to her. They rerun that shit all the time. So it's yeah. like people who've done a commercial and everyone knows it. Because yeah. it's on all the time. Like, it's not that weird that she, okay. So I said, kind of a well-known comedian? It sound like a dick. She goes, oh, yeah, but people in other places know you? Yeah, there's this notion, some people have, that, that Los Angeles is where you make your money doing comedy. There's literally $20 in it if you want to do comedy. They pay you 20 bucks for a spot at the Laugh Factory, the Improv. There's literally no money in it. And that's not a bad, we're not like, oh, boo-hoo. It's just... We go to practice here, and we live here because we're selling TV shows, and we're doing this. We're doing movies. You go on the road, but we don't go on it for our health. It's our job. That's where the people pay the money because they don't have the comedians every 10 minutes like they do in L.A. The structure is just set up differently. But every time I tell people I go on the road, they go, oh, I'm sorry, as though I'm like, I have to leave home to make my fortune, which is true, 
but I always knew that was part of the deal. That was what I wanted to do the job for. So anyway, I said, well, I'm, I'm pretty well known, but I get recognized my fair share. Obviously, I can walk around the world and most people don't know who I am, but people that like me are very kind and they come up to me. And Does she think they, that we only we have Netflix? Who's we? L.A.? Um, <laughs> Probably. have two great specials on there. Oh, well, thank you. I don't think she knew I was a comic. Oh, okay. I said, I have things on Netflix. Why am I standing here giving her my resume? The, the least thing I ever want to do is talk about myself. Yeah, yeah. But it, I felt right. I, I had a, a moment of ego. And, that, and then I just said, well, and she goes, well, sorry to freak you out. I still know it's weird. I'm like, it's not weird. Yeah. So I'm just like, I always, the backhanded compliments, uh, that, that, I, that was, a, was a labor of love in that cheese. She, uh... She didn't study compliments in history. <laughs> no. I don't, I don't, uh, and that would be great, the history of compliments, like how it started. Yeah. No one does them right. Anyway, well, thank you, Aaron, for being a great inspiration to me as always, and <laughs> I hope you enjoy that cheese, and I yes. hope you don't get, I hope it's delicious. Yeah, yeah. She goes, thank you. Do, you. do you like truffles? I go, who doesn't like truffles that likes cheese? She yeah. goes, I don't know, there's truffles in there that I go, yeah, no, it's called truffle what are you trying? You want me to walk out with empty-handed? So buy local, everybody. But local stores, get it together. Yeah. Get it to get. Don't make people not want to come in there anymore. That's why I want to do. I almost did Amazon now and got you some printer paper, <laughs> because that's what I got for myself this weekend is printer paper. And oh, it's the best Amazon now. I've got a bad buy local story. <gasps> Tell bad. me. So, I I bought a drum set. Uh, for myself because I'm a I was a bachelor and I had the time and the money ah I was gonna say your wife wants but I also lived in an apartment so I had to buy some mute pads right and so I went to a local music store and told them what I needed and gave them some sizes and they were like okay and then I called them for three weeks and they didn't have them and then I finally went in because they did yeah I go in the guy is using the phone as I as I enter it's a small you know small little place and he's talking about him. He had just been at the airport or something. And then he drops the N-word a couple oh, of times. Oh, God. I was, do you know I was yeah. jokingly going to say, did someone say something racist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's saying it on the phone to someone. On the phone to somebody looking at me like, uh-huh, right, right. And I'm like, uh, like. And he's not. I mean, it's inappropriate to say at all times. But he's yeah. a white man calling yeah, yeah. someone else Old in a bad man. way. Yeah. Oh, man alive. Yeah. And what did you say? Now, that's not to put I, you on the yeah, spot. Yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I just came for some drum mutes. It's one of those things, too, where it's like, and you got them, right? No. <gasps> because he didn't, I would have paid for them. He yeah. didn't accept debit. He had, I had, I had to give him cash for a check. So I walked out like, okay, I'll go get you a check. And then I walked out and I'm like, I'm not fucking coming back here with a check. I am so proud of you. So technically you did not support him because yeah, of his yeah, racism. Yeah. yeah. And then I had to go to, I went to Amazon and found him like that. And if someone's saying the N-word while they're packaging it, you've no idea. I have no idea. That's true. And that's what we want. <laughs> we want to be in the dark more about... No, that's... I love that. I wish I'd have written a Yelp review at the time. I, I didn't. Oh, we didn't. We The things we didn't know back then. Yeah. Now, the, the pads really help. They no. mute that much. No, I had to sell it two years later. That's two years of annoying your neighbor. Yeah, but... Well, they were just dusty at that point. Oh, I, God. I just couldn't do it in good conscience. Yeah, I feel like I would hear someone's muted drumming no matter. Well, it didn't stop my upstairs neighbor from playing his guitar, the same two songs over and over. <laughs> so, and singing. You guys could start a band. Yeah. 
Ugh, that's how... Nothing but Jason Mraz and plain white tees. That's how the great started. John, that's Lennon McCartney. That's Lennon Ringo right there. But you guys, you know, we're in a world now where we don't talk to our neighbors. And so no good bands get started. Good work, Aaron. You just ruined music. Um, it's weird if I join a band at 30 with a 15-year-old. But <laughs> I, mean, I guess George was young. Oh, my God. That would be really <laughs> creepy, actually. Mm. The inappropriate age gappers. That's cute. I don't think about it. All right, folks. Well, what are we going to talk about today? I mean, there's so much. There's so much. Okay, so uh, this is going to dovetail. So uh, hang on one second. Folks, uh, folks, my sister's cat mittens. You know, he was on an, or she, he, he, I am a, I'm a, I'm a uh, gender conformist because my sister's cat is a tuxedo cat and I do get confused and call it a he. Because men wear tuxedos more than women. Although women look great when they wear them to the red mm-hmm. carpet. Well, Mittens is becoming quite popular on my Instagram. And I started an Instagram account called Life with Mittens. But it's it's those underscores in between life with. Uh, a lot of Instagram accounts, Mittens. mittens I mean, it's, I tried 50 things. almost gave up. Uh, within a couple hours, Mittens got like 500 followers. Wow. Pretty good. Yeah. Uh, mittens is more popular than, well, not me, me. No, not more popular than me. Can't even go to a cheese shop without getting recognized. But she's popular. Now, Mittens, everybody, is a beautiful little kitty who's innocent. She doesn't know from you creeps on the internet. And some guy who I must have blocked on my account started an account because, you know, he had zero followers. He was was only following Mittens. And he had one post, which was the post that was like, uh, because on Mittens' account, it says, I'm Mittens. I'm a girl cat. I live in Massachusetts. At Jen Kirkman runs my account, or at least she thinks she does. Fun humor. So the guy was like, tell at Jen Kirkman this whole rant at me about how I'm a snob and I'm this because I don't like customer service. And when I'm on the road, people shouldn't talk to me. And I'm like, I was laying in bed like, I got to get on the mic. And I know you guys listening get it, but I want to explain what what has been dr- I did these fucking tour diaries on my Instagram stories and I was showing again there's so many comedians out there who present this bullshit life or they do those photos like I'm on a plane flying here and it's so obviously a private jet and they're they're they don't mention it in the photo but there's wood paneling there's like one seat on the whole plane it's like we know i've been on a private jet 50 times no I, eight times with chelsea every time i posted a picture if about it it would be like this is insane i'm on a private jet or something or just at that point in the collection of photos i was posting i didn't have to keep mentioning it but it was obvious i'm a guest of a celebrity on a private jet and I'm a schmo and, you know, whatever. And I also don't like private jets. They scare the shit out of me. I hope I don't have to do it again. I wouldn't voluntarily do it. I don't know why I would have to, but you never know. Maybe I would get a job and they'd be like, sorry, you have to fly with the... There's a lot of people that actually... I forget if Chelsea was like this. I think she might have been, but I, I wouldn't... I bet she wouldn't even know she was like this, if that makes sense. She'd be like, oh, I didn't mean to be. But it was sort of like you're more of a pain in the ass if you don't fly with her. You're like, oh, I'll just get myself there. It's like, well, then forget it. I'll just ask Chris because he can just – they just want all eyes on you. Everyone in the same place makes it easier. You all check in at the same time. It's just easier. Um, and I get that. Like you just – you're touring. You don't want to 
have to worry if someone's going to show up or not. So, you know, my flight could get delayed to Atlanta, hers is it, whatever. So there's a lot of times that I did not want to get on that private jet, but I did it because I was like, otherwise, I'm if I live, if we don't crash, I'm never going to live down. How annoying. I, in, in a weird way, I'm more high maintenance that I won't get on the private jet because it's what everyone else is doing. So blah blah So uh, these comedians, they, they do stuff like that. Now, I know I just mentioned Chelsea has a private jet. She blatantly does a bit in her act like, I flew my dog's private. I'm rich. So she's not trying to be false modesty. So I'm not talking about Chelsea. And if I were, that'd be fine too. But I'm just saying, I thought it would be funny and an all-encompassing funny of like, this is me showing you the most boring parts of tour, the parts that prove to you, I cannot go have coffee with you. I have to do this or that. Now, I was just listening to Jerry Seinfeld on Howard Stern. And boy, he seems, he sounds a little out of touch lately. Like I'm not trying to be one of these like over... PC people that's like we always have to say he she they them and we can't ever just use him as a as a you know I don't mean when you're actually talking about a real person but if I was like you know like a construction guy comes over like oh I said guy is that the norm you know I could say construction person like I'm not trying to be like that but whenever he talks about comedy he's like the guys that do this the guys that he just says guys 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 he's very male but I always love Jerry and I love his insights but like lately I'm like oh he's tipping he's just tipping Everyone tips into the generation that they were born into. Uh, eventually, when you get older, you got to fight it. You got to fight it. So he's tipping into just like, eh, he, he sounds very male. I, I don't know how to explain it. Anyway, but Jerry wouldn't let, and not in a rude way, like get away from you peasant, but, you know, the, the people at the show, Howard show, they help you put your headphones on. or they, no, they were putting on the lavalier mic, and he's like, I, I got it. And Howard's like, what is that about? And Jerry's like, I, I got it. I can put on my own mic. I just don't like all this fussing, mussing around me. And it comes off very, like, comedian, very, like, East Coast Jewish guy, like, to put all the stereotypes together of, like, ugh, with the fussing. I totally relate. I'm totally like that. Larry David, same thing. The whole point of Seinfeld and Curb is like no hugging, no learning. They said it. It's literally the most popular show of all time. Curb is up there, too. Um, For something that is on HBO, which, again, like not a lot of the country has comparatively to NBC, it's still wildly popular among all kinds of people. It's not a niche show like Transparent or Girls. It's like huge. Okay, so their whole oeuvre it's like complaining. Like, I can't. Why is the parking ticket over there? Why are you doing? What are you doing? Larry David does a whole bit about small talk. I want big talk. I, it's and we love them and they're hilarious. Now, maybe I'm not being as hilarious as them. I'm not trying to be. I'm on a I'm on an Instagram story, which is not punched up, written, perfected through my persona. It's just me being me going. I'm not really this upset in my heart about it, but my mind is going, oh, this is so annoying. And I'm doing that kind of attitude. It's like that kind of thing. And I'm giving a, oh, what's with this kind of thing, you know? And so I'm doing that. So on my Instagram stories, I talk about how, again, with the cheese shop, that person knew who I was and it ends up insulting. When people don't know who you are and you tell them you're a comic, they don't mean to, but the questions are so insulting. You are? Well, what are you doing in town? I'm at the theater. How do people know about you? Well, I just am a comic. With Are you funny? What's your material? And it's like, dude, I'm trying to check into a hotel and you're like phones ringing and other things are happening. Like, So I was on tour this year while writing a pilot, while promoting a jewelry line, while doing press for the next city that I was doing, while handling all the merch. Like I'm doing 50 things at once. And so I was talking about 
traveling alone as a woman, which, by the way, is also scary. I got into a few lifts where the guy was like, you smell nice. And I was like, okay, bye. And I want to talk about it. And he'd be like, I smelled you since before you got in the car. I'm like, okay, stop talking. Like, it was really scary. Okay, so that being said, I was talking about on my tour diaries, and I would show you. Imagine this. And, and this is what I mean. People have lost, and, and some young people never had, and I'm sorry to say young people, but I, 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 you can't tell me what I don't notice. I, I see hundreds of people a week when I'm on the road for years. I notice things in generations, older people this, younger people that, my generation this. It's a thing. There's generations. There's personality traits based on it. Not 100%, but I notice with the younger kids, and maybe it's something they will grow out of. Maybe it's because they're millennial. I don't know what it is. I'm just saying there seems to be this lack of empathy where it's like, let's. how do I attack that person? How do I take it personally? Instead of like, oh, I see what they're doing. They're just sort of giving a, a day in the life, but they're leaning into the annoying parts for comedy. Okay. The concept is comedy. Whether or not every line I say is funny. So this guy writes, she thinks you're too good for her. Don't look her in the eye. Now, that's very different than saying, I don't want small talk in a lift. So many times when I was on the road, I'm working with like the ABC network and Universal Studios. This ain't small time bits, okay? I can't tell them, no, I can't get on a conference call. I'm on the road. They know that I have a few hours free. So I would say, okay, the plane lands at three and I check into the hotel at four. Um, But once I check into the hotel, you know, then I have to get to the venue and shower. So maybe a good time to talk would be from three to four when I'm in the car you know, on the way to the air, from the airport to the hotel. <laughs> I would find a cab or a lift. It would, uh, more, more often than not a man. And they always just look at me through the rearview mirror, like just listening to what I'm doing. Like, excuse me. Now, is it a gender thing? Who fucking knows? Whatever it is, is annoying. I get in the car. Hello. Hey, Jen, here are the notes. And I'm like, okay. And I'm literally on my laptop in the backseat typing. I'm like, okay, so Joe, the character Joe, he shouldn't shit his pants. No, we, we think he should throw up. Oh, okay, that's good. And they're like, where are you from? What? Where are you visiting? Why are you here? I'm like, I'm on the, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm on the phone. Like, what? And so I, so imagine this. This is how many times a day I had to deal with the same question of where are you from? Why are you visiting? And what do you do for a living? This is how many times. In the car on the way to the airport from my house. Possibly a person next to me on the plane. In the car from the airport to the hotel. Checking into the hotel. If I get room service, the person coming into my room now asking me that. The, the car cab lift from the hotel to the venue. The car cab lift home from the venue to the hotel. Checking out of the hotel, getting in a cab car lift to the airport. That's nine times in less than 24 hours. Now, four days of that in a row. That's 36 times. Don't tell me that you wouldn't lose your damn mind if you had one of these weird jobs where you can do it, but you're not famous, but you, people know you and people are fascinated with it and they want to talk about it. And you're like, I know you're fascinated, but I literally only get asked this every 10 minutes. And sometimes I just want to be quiet. This woman picked me up at 4.30 in the morning once. And you could tell she had kids because there were juice boxes in the car. She was a Lyft driver. The child seat, probably up at all crazy hours and used to it. And she was just like, so how was your visit? And I was asleep in the back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I've had two hours sleep. And I couldn't skimp on sleep because the minute my plane landed in LA, I had to go meet with my producer. So I was like, please, 
Please, people. It was from that point of view, not like I won't talk to the underclass. I am the underclass, you fucks. So it's just like, what don't you get about that? And I think it's sexism. I think guys, some guys, young guys, they get upset when a woman, because they don't see you as a comedian, they see you as a woman, is bitching, bitching, bitching in the vein of a Jerry Seinfeld or a Larry David. Like, oh, I can't believe it. Would you shut up? What am I going to talk to you for? I'm getting a salad. So I get a salad. Like, it's that kind of thing, you know? Um, and... The, my whole point is that these people, they don't like when a woman is saying it because they take it personally as a man because we've seen some men react, what, I can't I can't hug you at the Christmas party now because of all this? Don't be a pussy to say a sexist word. I've seen some of my friends online being like, this is really going too far. Maybe it is. So let the pendulum swing to the craziest side of all and then we'll come back and get in the middle again. When, when everyone's ready to handle a conversation about what's harassment, what isn't, what is, you know, we, I think we're not ready to have that conversation. I think some people are taking it too far. Some, some, uh, the, the, my liberal people are getting a little too crazy. I'm not saying that being touched on the waist isn't unpleasant if you didn't want it, but it, it, there's, there's variations. And I'm not saying those guys are okay. Those guys aren't. I'm saying let's have a conversation. So, cause some people, uh, that may only be touching your waist and thinking it's funny, they're probably educatable. Uh, able to be educated and then they can probably go oh fuck uh, uh, oh my god I didn't my male privilege my this I'm older we can talk to them about it and actually they can be on our side they can join our team instead of ostracizing them and then they're like now I don't even know what the fuck to do because no one's had a conversation with me we've got to have the conversation and then people are raping you know children well we, we don't talk to them we just put them in jail so that's the scale and everyone stop being such a pussy little fucking drama queen about everything men I'm talking to you with it. Can't even do this. Then don't do it. Don't touch anyone ever again. And then it'll balance out. Just stop making it about you. Anyway, so I think guys watch my thing and they go, oh, I've talked to people in a car before. Yeah, you're embarrassed because you're thinking of all the times you probably invaded someone's privacy. But I think and it's not a guy thing. It's an everyone thing. I like to talk to strangers. When I am traveling the world, when I'm alone in Australia sitting in a bar, I made some of my best friends. And, oh, I'm so sad I'm not going to Australia again. It's just, it's never going to work out again because, oh, what was my favorite wine bar there? Punch Lane. Here's the thing with Australia. It worked out really well when I worked at Chelsea lately because the week off we had in March was the week that I was able to go to the festival. Then when I was freelancing, I mean, just doing stand-up, I could decide my tours in advance and I could take a month off. But now that I'm working in TV again, it's like jobs happen during that time or I have to be uh, auditioning or I have to be taking meetings. So it's during the worst time of year for Americans. I could go for a week, um, maybe if they'd let me. I just don't have a new show. Like I, I was going there so much and doing all the hours that I ended up doing here that I could do new stuff there now. Actually, I do. Actually, I could go this year if they would let me. But I'm waiting to see if I'm getting this job in New York. I'm waiting to see this. I'm waiting to see that. So, and unfortunately, because they don't have a comedy scene really in Australia, they have the the big festival in Melbourne. Um, I can't just go on my own other times of the year. Sort of it. There's sort of a lockdown. I don't want to get into the politics of it, but the people that run the festival, like they don't. It's. It's sort of like they do that once a year and the, the venues aren't that amenable to other people coming in and doing comedy outside of the festival. So you can't really get it, – it's hard to explain. I'm sure I can work around it. But then at that point, we're talking about my own dime to Australia. When I do the festival, I get paid and I get a free apartment and I get a first-class ticket. So And I get all the press, like massive amounts of press that they do. I don't have to hire a publicist. So 
I actually get to profit. If I go to Australia by myself for shows, I probably will lose $5,000. So it's it's just how it is. It sucks. I want to go back. It's like I miss it so fucking much. Anyway, so I think everybody needs to chill the fuck out. Um Oh, shut up. So it's, if one more person asked me to write an article about harassment in comedy, just shut the fuck up. We, we said what we said. There's harassment and there isn't. There's harassment everywhere. So this course is in comedy. Just shut up. It's not interesting. It's not interesting to me. I don't want to write an article for you fucking women's magazine. I'll talk about it on the podcast when I feel like talking about it. Okay. Thank you. Anyway, I'm just saying, and I also think, and now I don't know where I'm getting this thought, but I went to my breast doctor last week. Now she's a specialist who talks to me about all things boobs. <laughs> she says, uh, you have a high risk because your sister had breast cancer. You have had lumpectomies that are benign. You have dense breasts. You have high risk. So you need to tell me what you've been doing about it. I'm like, well, I get a mammogram every year, an MRI every five, every five. No, she's going to get a mammogram. And then six months later, get an MRI. And that's how you do it every year because we we need to catch it early. If we're going to catch it, and then you need to get that BRCA gene test. I'm like, no problem. So we're chatting, and they have to ask you a million things. Did your dad ever have cancer? What, how old's your mom's turtle? You know, like things you don't think are related. And she goes, are you Ashkenazi Jewish? I go, no. And she goes, what kind of Jewish? I go, I'm not Jewish. She goes, are you sure? I go, yeah. Now, I don't know if she was just probably asked everybody that. I, I know if there's some kind of breast cancer with the Ashkenazi whatevs. Um. There must be because then another woman came in and asked me that. I'm like, what is this question? So I don't think they were like, you seem Jewish, whatever that is. And I know, you know, the guy that was like, what does seem gay mean? He's yelling at me. I don't mean seem, you know, but I was, I thought it was funny in a way that then she brought it up later and was like, you're really not Jewish. And I was like, no. And she goes, oh, just, she goes, um, I think she might've been, um, herself. I'm not sure. Uh, my name Kirkman, people think is Jewish, but the Kirk part to me is so waspy. <clears throat> the man is Jewish sounding, but I actually looked up my family's history. I'll tell you all about it. Um, but I'm not Jewish, but what was interesting and it just got me thinking is I'm, I've appropriated Jewish culture. I'm Jewish at heart. And I don't mean that to sound offensive because I, cause comedy is Jewish. I grew up watching Joan Rivers, Lenny Bruce, this, these people have been in my head my whole life. Their cadence, their rhythm, Howard Stern. Um, not that there's a Jewish thing, but there kind of there is culturally, and they would say it. But you know who would get mad about it? White wasps in their first year of wokeness who are going to email me, why does seem Jewish mean? I'll forward it to Jewish friends. They'll be like, oh my God, get a life. Um, all my friends in comedy, New York, New York is Jewish. New York is New York. But New York's also very Irish, but New York is, is a New York, you know. So I've got in my blood, in my nature or nurture, I was natured Catholic and then through comedy and then through living in New York and through consistently more comedy, more New York, I'm nurtured New York. I pronounce things a certain way. So I feel like there's this lack of connection with the Jewishness of comedy that young people don't get. There's, there's, a, there's a big generation thing that's missing, a jump that they don't kind of understand the dark humor, the even the Irish um, gallows humor. They don't get. Everything is, oh, or, or why are you complaining? It's like, it's not complaining. It's a way of communication. It's actually a way of celebrating. It's 
It's people, I call it on the surface, and then deep down there's a gratitude and a service to God. And this. it's up top. We're just nit nitpicking. And I just don't think the kids get that. I think they don't get that. And I don't know what, and I swear to you, and I've said this before, I saw it happen, and I'm not blaming him because it's like cool to blame him or I have an opinion on him. It's, it's just the kind of comedy he put out in the world. And again, I'm about to, if the sitcom gets picked up, put out a real sugary pop thing during you know the end of the world so people be like why is that what she wanted to say because i've been wanting to say it for 20 years and i just got the chance i'm not going to rejigger my whole sitcom idea because trump's president anyway but the dane cook positive waspy comedy i'm telling you it trained a whole new generation of people to be like i'm a winner i did it this situation i did something cool i'm in my tank top there's no shame or self thing or self. i'm telling you i wish someone could do an essay on it Somebody out there smarter than me, put that in your sociology class. We're losing, we're losing the New York Jewishness out there in the world. Mm. And when Howard Stern goes off the air, I'm going to die. Die! Anyway, are we at the ads? Time is at 30 minutes. <laughs> Folks, I... I couple more things for you. Now, I can't sing along to Santa Claus is coming to town, right? Yeah, I think you can. Oh, okay, good, because I'm going to. All right, now, <laughs> Quip. Oh, my God. I just signed up, and I'm not kidding. You know, I only advertise things I believe in. I actually do the Quip subscription service. Um, what is Quip? Well, I'm going to tell you what it is. If you guys would just calm, just calm the fuck, fuck down for a minute, people. And Quip did ask, they said specifically, tell everyone that might buy our product to calm the fuck down. <laughs> All right, folks. Here's something to chew on. Many recent studies suggest that having good oral health impacts your overall health. That it's true. There is a connection to heart disease and bad teeth health. But most of us don't brush our teeth properly. And we know that because our hygienists always tell us that and make us feel bad. And then we're like, oh, we're totally going to do it this time. So she'll never say that to me again. And then we get lazy. So here is how I and Quip can help you. You don't need a big, expensive toothbrush to get the oral care you need. You can get the same refreshing clean with something simpler that'll give you the best brushing experience you've ever had okay you don't have to dish out hundreds for a top-of-the-line electric toothbrush this is true i had one of those and it was so heavy i love quip in it and it does this thing where it vibrates and then turns off vibrates and turns off so you know when to switch which quadrant of your teeth you're doing i love it so we are introducing quip the new company that's refreshing the way people brush their teeth it's an electric toothbrush that packs premium vibration and timer features into an ultra-slim design. It is. It's ultra-slim, and I have a rose gold one, and it looks so pretty in my bathroom. And then they give you this really cool case, and you can stick it on your mirror, and it just looks modern and sleek and just like just like you have your life together. Like if someone goes into your bathroom and sees a Quip toothbrush instead of just one of those old, like, janky ones, plastic ones, you get with the, they're like, this person, has, this person has style, has class. It's basically like if Apple designed a toothbrush, okay? And this is my favorite part. They are in with the modern times because you can subscribe to receive new brush heads on a dentist-recommended three-month plan for just five bucks. That's free shipping as well. So it just comes to you. You don't have to think about it. It's backed by leading dentists and was named as one of Time Magazine's best inventions of 2016. And they are on Oprah's 2017 New Year's O list. It starts at just $25, but... If you go to getquip.com slash fun, you will get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That is getquip.com, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash fun. Again, I do use this. And look how pretty my, well, you can't see them over the radio, but the radio, 
gather around the... I beautiful team. Getquip.com, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash fun. Folks, 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 what are you doing? You're arguing with your families. I told you. What did I tell you back in August? Get your therapy together so that you can survive the holiday season. You're like, well, it's too late. All the therapists are on vacation. I, I know, Jen, I didn't listen to you. Well, that's why we love the internet. Take advantage of it. Talkspace, the online therapy company. You've got a week, people, before you sit down at Christmas dinner and everyone starts talking about politics or whatever. And Well, whatever. Politics is what I'm trying to say. And you're going to start your arguments with you always. That's not how you, that is not how you communicate with people unless you want them to flip out. So so you can learn tools, things like this. And then after the holidays, you stay with your therapist and you go deeper and you learn about yourself. I got to tell you this whole year because of therapy, I mean, I've always been in it, but uh, thank God, but uh, my life changed. Okay. Talk space. So. You can do it online. No one will know you're doing it. It's extremely private and confidential. Like, I mean, obviously all therapy is, but you don't have to drive there. You don't have to tell people what you're doing. Just sneak away into your room, your little single bed that you're still sleeping in your old childhood bedroom. You get on you get on your parents' dial-up. I'm just kidding. And you get on Talkspace, okay? Talkspace, the online therapy company, for as little as $32 a week, that's an absurdly low price for therapy. You can pick an experienced, licensed therapist that you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. At least a master's is huge. Huge. To, com- to match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com slash Jen, J-E-N. And to show your support for this podcast, when you check out, use code Jen and get $30 off of your first month. That's Jen. And just go to Talkspace.com slash Jen. They're not going to suck you into the computer and make you buy anything. Just read. Read about it more. Talkspace.com slash Jen. Therapy for how we live today. Again, you can text, audio, and video message, or even do a live video chat with your therapist. That is revolutionizing the way that we do therapy. And lastly, Rent the Runway. Oh, my God. If you want to be like me, and I've been using Rent the Runway for years, so I was so excited when they wanted to sponsor on this podcast. People always go, where do you get your clothes? This is where I get them, okay? I don't want a closet full of clothes but nothing to wear. You know what I'm saying? I want to express myself with what I wear, but I, I don't want to have to keep buying new things all the time. And, and yeah, in my closet, the things I have, it's like a boring black dress or like the same coat I've worn a million times. But fashion freedom is Rent the Runway. And what I love about it is when you, it's, it's like the old Netflix system, you know, with the, with, the, with the DVDs. When you rent an outfit from Rent the Runway, if you're on the unlimited subscription, you literally can keep it until the world ends. I mean, eventually, if you, if you, and then you, you don't get, you know what I'm saying? Like you have three items, you keep them. I'm not explaining it well, but you can keep your rental for as long as you want. It, it means you have less rentals, more to choose from, but it's not like get it back in a week. It, you can kind of live with it and then send it back when you're sick of it, which I love because, you know, you wear things a few times and then you're like, okay, and it goes in your closet. You never wear it again with Red the Runway. It goes right back and you get new stuff. So I use it all the time. Most of my TV appearances is a Rent the Runway outfit. When I am, I'm not wearing one today, unfortunately. When I am on the road, Rent the, run, rent the Runway shirts. I will, in pictures, I will, I will let you guys know on the um, I Seem Fun on the uh, facebook.com slash I seem fun podcast page. I'll put up my rent the runway photos 
um, for you guys. Okay, so introducing Rent the Runway's unlimited membership. That's the one I have. Unlimited access to a constantly, I mean, guys, there's so much in there. I have like a like list of like hundreds constantly rotating dream closet full of designer styles that you can keep as long as you want and swap anytime. You can rent from over 450 top designer brands like Vince, Theory, Tory Burch, Derek Lamb, Opening Ceremony, Marnie, DVF, and more. Marquesa, the gowns. You can rent gowns. It's beautiful. And you can also rent a sweater. It's like, it's got everything. Purse, jewelry, everything. Renting is not only cheaper than buying, it's faster and easier too. There is free shipping and free dry cleaning on every piece. You don't have to send it back dry cleaned. Go to renttherunway.com or download the app to choose from tops, dresses, handbags, and many more for any occasion. And I'm serious. They send you the return slip, so you just put it in the thing and you send it back. It's like you don't have to do anything. You just drop it. You just drop it somewhere. Well, I mean, you don't just drop it in the road. I mean, you drop it at your UPS place. 70% of unlimited members actually spend less money on clothes after joining. So join the 6 million members who make Rent the Runway the largest clothing rental company in the world. So go to renttherunway.com or download the app, I have both, to get 25% off your first month's unlimited membership with promo code FUN at checkout. That's renttherunway.com, 25% percent I almost said 25 cents. 25 cents off. 25% off your first month's membership. Promo code FUN. RentTheRunway.com. Promo code FUN. It takes the thinking out of getting dressed because you always have something to wear. You can select four pieces at a time. Keep them as long as you want. And when you're ready for something new, swap any of your pieces for fresh styles. If you fall in love with a style, you can actually buy it at an exclusive discount price and keep it forever. I've done that. All right, folks. And I'll be wearing Rent the Runway stuff at Christmas time this year, so I'll take photos. All right, back to the podcast. What do we got here? Oh, God. How, how long have we been recording? 47. Okay. Can I, do I got 15 here? Mm-hmm. Folks, I don't know what it is. Okay, so I'm thinking about what's going on with this. You know, I'm only talking about this because it seems like things are heating up. But I've been not talking about the Trump-Russia stuff because... It's just too much. I can't articulate. You know, Twitter's kind of where I do that. But I'm saying something here because everyone's like, Donald Trump might fire Robert Mueller by December 22nd. Now, he says he isn't. But, of course, whenever he does, uh, you know, we're like, President Trump, are you going to fire this person? He's like, no, I'm not. And then he fires him the next day. But th- what people need to understand is you don't, he doesn't just go, you're fired. It's not the apprentice. He has to ask Attorney General Rod Rosenstein to fire Mueller. That's that's what was happening in Nixon when they say the Saturday Night Massacre. Nixon was going person to person. I mean, I'm oversimplifying, making it cartoonish, but going office to office. Will you fire this this special prosecutor? No. Will you fire? No. Going down the line. And then everyone was like. But what. What America has been nervous about is like, well. What if some of the people do fire Mueller because Trump asked them to? And Rod Rosenstein has made it very clear, I ain't doing that, even though Rod Rosenstein is a Republican. And I think at one point might have even been a Trump supporter, but I think he understands treason and the rule of law. So they're saying, well, he could fire Rosenstein and then Mueller gets fired. And then, I mean, someone took it down a crazy scenario of like the worst thing Trump could do, but it is legal or possible, is declare like a martial law and like have people take Mueller. I I don't know. Look, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know this. Comey knew he'd probably be fired. He had Mueller waiting in the ring, rings, wings, and in the rings. He was boxing. He was boxing as well. I think Mueller is five times better than Comey. This guy is a 
he's a fucking genius. It seems he seems to be going after this with a precision. I, I don't know what about Comey. I, no, I don't know. It may be just the case was heating up. And so it seems like anyone after Comey was was better. But it seems like Mueller was more ex- senior experience. Whatever it is, that guy has had in place since day one. What if he gets fired? If he fires Mueller, they unseal all the indictments, which means you get to hear what people are getting. I almost want that to happen. It will be there might be mayhem. Everyone's like, take to the streets. Now they're like, take to the streets, hold them accountable. I'm like, what are they? They don't care the streets. There's people in wheelchairs. There's like someone with no limbs. It's just a head is screaming at Congress. Don't take my health insurance. They're like, whatevs. Nobody. They don't care. They're all a lot of the GOP are in on it and they don't care. So I'm not saying don't take the streets, but I'm just like this notion that we're going to shut down the economy. No, you're not. Oh, who knows? You know, I don't know. We've never been here before, right? We've never been here before. But there's something to me. So I'm going to be in New York City the week of Christmas, a few days before, a few days after. If anything happens and I'm in New York, just, just, you know, like what, three quarters of a mile away from Trump Tower, like I like to be in the drama and the excitement. As you know, I tell, and I don't want another 9-11 reference, but you know, I just so excited about like, I don't want anything bad to happen. But like, if he resigns or something happens, just to be in New York with it, with the energy and the people instead of here in LA, everyone's by their pool. I just get out and go to the ice skating rink at Bryant Park and just Christmas music. There's something so Dickensian about it. Like that, that down the street from Trump is like all the beautiful stores dressed for Christmas and, and the, and the ice skating and all this. It's just like, we're, you oh you Mr. Potter you like I'm just I'm crying thinking about it. I'm tearing up tearing up I there's something I have such positivity I truly believe in my heart because I, I am in just a, a hippie dip dip as much as I wanted Hillary to win as much as I did this shit has been in the works for decades this has turned out to be a global financial conspiracy that also Hollywood is tied up in Hillary being president would not have brought it to light. It may not have stopped it. It may have just been a thing where they, they, they try to fuck with her for eight years or four years, and then it got even, and then it would get even worse. We are exposing everything. I honestly think in the darkest hour before the dawn, in the true way, that the blessing of him being elected, and I'm not saying it as Susan Sarandon, we needed revolution way. That'd be very clear here. I'm saying it would have been better if Hillary was elected and we still would have been looking at this stuff. They always would have been investigating Trump. They, they had been since before the election. But what I'm saying is for you ding dongs who don't read the news, now it's all in your face. You get to see what's happening. Now, of course, you know, I have people in my family that still think Trump is great. Mueller's bad. I, I read them the things. He's a, he's, a, he's a purple heart. He's a great man. You know, and I have all these concerns. My whole life now is on Twitter hanging out with conservatives. I'm like, hey, Richard Painter, Bill Crystal. I mean, people I don't normally agree with that. Well, Bill Crystal's still annoying, but Richard Painter's a genius. But talking about being a patriot and being, this is America. We're not fucking Russia. The, the man is a dictator who kills people. This is horrible. Um, but these people don't want America. These people that love Trump, it's not like, oh, we have to convince them that that their democracies, they want democracy being taken over. They don't want things to be fair. I can specifically look at the personality types of my family that like Trump. They never got rich. They're mad. They like the big, powerful, rich guy. In the last year of their life, they can feel like, fuck you. I don't want it to be fair. When I'm gone, for some reason, it's going to bother me that black people can make money. It's going to bother me. It's going to bother me in my grave. 
It's ignorant. It's willful ignorance. There isn't Trump himself could tell them not to believe in him and they would not stop. So and everyone get off your ass thinking that, that this is going to change anyone's mind. Now, listen to me. There's something about this time of year, lightness and a time of dark. I am, I am moved by thinking about how this Christmas, like we're kind of all in this together. And there's something telling me that this investigation is going to heat up this week. Like I have this weird feeling he might be out before New Year's. Now, I've always said that um, and I'm probably wrong, but I there's something I don't know. I'm just getting I'm getting a feeling of a thrill. But that's also one of my big problems. And I learned it this year is like addicted to excitement, as they call it. And so it's not a very good thing. I'm, I'm when I'm when I used to travel all the time, you know, six months, six countries a year. It's like I was running from myself. Um, and so this year I was very grounded and, um, it actually, I'd never been healthier. So I will end this with, um, I, I was in touch with my ex, uh, who broke up with me at Christmas because I thought, uh, the, the, the blessing of being in touch with him was like, now I won't be wondering what his life was and and I won't be on Christmas, like a couple glasses of wine, like, I'm going to text him. I don't miss him. I don't wish I was still with him, but there's obviously a ton of history there. He's one of my favorite people. But then I had to realign, like, well, stop saying someone's your favorite person. If you haven't been in their life for a year, like you have other people now. Um, And I didn't date for a year and I'm still not, I'm going to continue that. Like, I really don't, it's not a thing I'm interested in. Like if I met someone, of course, I guess, but it, it, I, I feel like people can feel it emanating off of me, too, because I'm not getting any weird getting hit on on Twitter this year. It's pretty amazing when you just plant your flag in the ground with confidence and no self-shame where you're just like, yeah, that's not a thing I'm doing right now. Like nobody bothers you about it. It's been an amazing year. But I talked to my ex and, and, and many of you, if you know who he is, I, I don't want to say too much about him because I don't want to tell his story. But he was very kind and he knows he handled things badly. Um, it's not a I regret we should be together thing. It's a more... He's like, I had shit to work on. Basically, he and I shouldn't have gotten back together when we did. We both had stuff to work on in our lives. And we thought, oh, we'll just do that and be together. And it just, that doesn't always work. And so he, um, and it kind of made things implode. We, we, we are so similar and yet so different. And so when we um, have things in our, you know, like to, to use crazy big words like trauma and ex- things from our past, when that stuff comes up, each of us handles it differently, but it doesn't go well with how the other one handles stuff. So not big fiery fights or anything like that. Just sort of like a lot of like, he's an isolator and he'll go inward and not tell me anything. And I'll be like, wah, 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 and think everything's fine. And um, and then I noticed that like we kind of were emotionally enmeshed. And I didn't think you could be if you were like, I'm traveling the world. How come I enmeshed with another person? Like we were each other's everything in this weird way. And it was like, ugh, you know, and, and, and. We were just, the, I was, oh my God, we're those people. We're those people that like don't see their friends and we're just like together all the time. And it's like our own little universe we create. It's gross. It's gross. It's gross. It's like you eat too much candy. You feel sick. It's just not, but the, some people are like that. And we like kind of can't help it whenever we're together. So, you know, it's good to take the time apart. But he said he had a terrible year and nothing went well. And I had to laugh because I had the most amazing year and ev- every one of my dreams came true. <laughs> so it's not a revenge thing. It's that. It, what it, it was very humbling. What it taught me was I am never in, like, I cannot sit there and have negative fantasy about how my life is going to go. Um, 
I'm so humbled by the things um, a power greater than myself out there in the world uh, lined up for me or, or did nothing lined up for me. Just that's just the cycle of life. And I couldn't have controlled. You know what I'm saying? You can control things within reason, like you can apply for a job or whatever. But I was just humbled by what a beautiful year I had. I felt shitty the entire time uh, until I healed. And then I look back and went, holy shit, there was not one week that something beautiful wasn't going on, whether it was a new job or new friends or connecting with old friends or just moments where just life was so beautiful. And also all this Trump stuff was so horrible, but it brought me closer to people in talking about it. So anyway, I finally watched that Jimmy Fallon, Robert Mueller's coming to town thing. And everyone was telling me about it, but you know how regular, how regular folks are. I'm like, yeah, 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 but it's funny. I get annoyed with Jimmy Fallon because it's like, dude, you rubbed the guy's hair and made him look like a Cupid doll, like, or, you know, like, and then he's like, I don't talk about politics. Like, all right. But, you know, in Jimmy's way, we know he's a patriot. He's against Trump. But, but it just, in his own way, that's how he had to do it was that song. I wish he'd do jokes every night about it and not have him on and be like, whatever, I do the both sides. No. But I had to admit the song. Part of the song that made me laugh, and then the rest was like, "Yeah, I could see that coming." The part of the song, and really, it's just an excuse for him to wear a sleeveless shirt and sing. Um, the part that I thought was so funny that is straight from Bruce Springsteen, "Santa Claus Coming to Town." This part when Bruce does this to the audience. Hang on, uh, and he goes, oh, "Hang on, yeah, yeah, yeah." And he asks everyone if they've been good. Wait. Oh, Christmas time. You guys all, you guys all been good and practicing real hard. Yeah. Oh, wait, not that. My mom hates this song. He's faking a working class accent. My friend Steve said, no, he was like broke when he did this. This was the late 70s. He wasn't famous yet. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. He already sounds like a star. All right. Oh, this part. Sorry, I'm talked right over it. He asked the audience. He asked the audience if they've been good. I'm already ruining God, I'm making this not funny. So the detail that Jimmy found it, he goes, everyone in the Trump administration been good or what? Oh, not many, not many. I don't I cracked up laughing. It's just details because you go, oh, if you didn't know that was part of the song, there'd be nothing funny about it. Now, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan. Don't get mad at me. Yes, I know he's a show on Broadway. He's a great guy, working class hero, blah, 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 blah. But it just, the music doesn't... Squeeze Elvis Costello and Bruce Springsteen. I'm not saying they're the same thing, but I literally, I, I live in a shame where I cannot tell people. I just don't like the music. It doesn't do a thing for me. I can't. I'm trying. It's like I don't like coconut. I'm not attracted to the rock. These things will never change. I can't. I can't. I'm not trying to convince anyone else. I don't want to get letters. If you look at the technical note structure, I don't care. Then I did. Um, but the one song I love is Bruce Springsteen's Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And I was telling Aaron, it makes me cry. I don't know why. There's like a joy inside of it. But I'm just picturing myself in New York this year after my hard year going, I'm the luckiest girl in the world. I'm going to be there with best friends of mine in a beautiful hotel that I can afford. Evil Trump is down the street and we're all going to march against him if we have to. And he's so dumb. He did treason so badly. It all came down to emails. The irony is like, ah, oh, it just makes me, even if we lose, we know we're right. 
We know we're right. Light in a time of dark. Oh my God. It makes me so happy, this song. I don't know why. I get in touch with an inner joy. Oh my God. Well, let me close on this. Do I have time to read something really quick? Because next week's Christmas episode is the Hallmark movie episode that I recorded a month ago. And it's boring. So this is really your Christmas episode. Um, I wrote this for The Guardian UK. It's going to come out soon, but they're going to shorten it. So I'm going to give it to you guys. And this is uh, the one year. This is the the story I didn't tell you guys about until August. And now we're at the end. And this is it. So Merry Christmas, everybody. That's right. We say Merry Christmas here. On December 28th of 26, called Reclaiming Christmas. On December 28th of 2016, I got dumped in my home in Los Angeles right next to my Christmas tree. To be fair, my ex-boyfriend didn't quite bring it up. I sensed it. There wasn't a big fight. In fact, we spent Christmas Day alone sitting on my couch watching the box set of Maud, a gift from him. We were really compatible. Looking back at the selfie I took of us on my couch in pajamas, his face looks worried, like he's trapped behind glass. I now realize his feelings were trapped inside of his guilt. When I asked him if he was having doubts, he admitted it. He didn't quite dump me as much as he honestly answered a question that I asked of him, which was, are you thinking of dumping me, but you don't want to be the guy who dumps his girlfriend during Christmas? Take it from me, ladies or men. If the answer is yes, there's no working on that. It's time for acceptance. Of course, I went through the five stages of grief in about five seconds. A sixth stage was invented where I judged him for keeping the Tash and David Bowie coffee table book that I bought him. I felt he should have left it with me, the dumpy, as a consolation prize. Christmas is my favorite time of year. We met and fell in love instantly, red flag, yes, but a fun one, in New York City during Christmas of 2011. Every year, I begin putting up my Christmas decorations in October. Something that reminds me that I can have hope and lightness in the dark is the ridiculous ritual of putting a tree in my living room and putting up twinkly lights during the darkest months of the year. So to be dumped on my favorite holiday, the holiday that reminds me I can have hope, was like the Grinch stealing my hope, snuffing out my candle flame, and did I mention keeping the David Bowie coffee table book? We have spoken recently. We both get what happened and how actually now we're grateful for the breakup. But how did I get from there to here? Oh, by the way, I said to him, I can't be in touch anymore because the holidays have to be about me. I mean, I'm sure someday we'll be friends again, but no time soon. I'm going to list some of the things I did, and it's going to read the same way an article about dieting reads. Yeah, I know. Eat six almonds for a snack and drink lots of water. But here goes. I continued working on myself at therapy, took meditation classes, went to support groups, read books on grief, leaned on my friends, and slept. But the two most important things I did were no dating or sex or anything like that for one year. I'm still doing this. Two, drop my story. I did not cover up my feelings rebounding with another person. I'm truly in a relationship with myself. People praise those who continually work on a relationship, but if you say you're working on the relationship with yourself, it invites scoffs and people encouraging you to stop doing that and get back out there. I'm more out there than I've ever been. I'm just not dating. This turned out to be the best year of my life. Because my entire life plan had been blown up, I said yes to new things, like a job that required me to move for a while. It's interesting how we do that. We insist what we want the rest of our lives to look like, but what if sometimes we aren't dreaming big enough or just right enough? I spent the first few months just handling my shame. I thought that if a long-time partner dumps me, I say long-time, we were separated for a little while, but we overall, we've been together like four years. I thought that if a long-time partner dumps me, it must mean I failed. I saw myself through the eyes of society. A dumped woman must be a problem woman. I realized my self-esteem sucked. Even though I get up on stage and make people laugh and I'm really confident, deep down, I think I saw myself as damaged goods. I truly do not think that way anymore. I really, within reason, don't give a fuck about what people think of me. Let's say that someone does think I'm a failure. That's their business. The voice in my head that told me I'm not lovable until I'm loved romantically and that the love of friends and family is second rate, 
nope, that voice is now homeless. So dropping a story. When something bad happens, if our self-esteem is crap, we pile on ourselves. We tell ourselves horrible stories. I told myself stories about my ex. He's happy. He's dating a 21-year-old model. He's the recipient of one of those scam emails from a Nigerian prince, but he's literally the first person ever who actually responded and received millions of dollars. Most of my pain was negative fantasy. I dropped the story that he was the love of my life and I'll never meet anyone else and everyone else gets to be with the loves of their lives, just not me. See, it's exhausting just hearing that, right? The real story is simple. A person broke up with me on December 28th, 2016. That's it. The future was not written in stone that minute. I had to learn to take life not just one day at a time, but one minute at a time. I had to realize that I don't always have the best ideas about how my life should turn out. I had to start changing my brain chemistry, and a quote from Rumi became my mantra, live as if the world is tipped in your favor. Back in January of last year, I was already planning Christmas 2017. My plan was to draw the shades and stay inside. No decorations, no parties, no velvet outfits. People would pity me and say, she really loved Christmas and now it's forever ruined. In an odd way, I felt I would be judged if I tried to enjoy myself. And I would be romanticized and respected if I stayed in pain. Like a woman who can't get over her husband who went missing in World War I. A friend of mine gave me great advice. He said, you have no idea how you'll feel in 11 months. Don't plan for pain. He reminded me that I had given him the same advice once. Well, yeah, it's true for other people like him, but not me. I knew I was never going to feel better. And then one day in September, I found myself on Pinterest looking at DIY Christmas decoration ideas. I started to catch the spirit and have epiphanies. I had had decades of Christmases before I knew my ex even existed. Did I ever feel like something was missing? No. And this is my holiday. Somehow, because we met at Christmas, I turned that into our story. We met at Christmas in New York when he lived there and I didn't because I was on my yearly solo trip in December to see friends, enjoy the snow, the lights. It was because of my solo adventures and my love of Christmas that I had found love that time. With a little perspective, I realized that the love story here is between Christmas and me. I planned to avoid New York City this year for fear I might be sad thinking of him. I was so wrong. This year, for the first time, I am spending actual Christmas Day in New York City. I have brunch plans with friends, tickets to see It's a Wonderful Life on the big screen, and some plans by myself because no one is interested in going on a Christmas bus light tour with me through Brooklyn. The craziest part, I sold a script to the ABC network this September about a woman who gets dumped on Christmas. I'll be finishing the script over the holidays in my hotel room overlooking a Christmas tree in Bryant Park. Because I dropped my old stories, I made room for a new one, and there are even more stories to come that I can't even imagine. Our story is never over, despite what our worst thinking tells us. Merry Christmas, everybody! Until next week, have fun! Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.